the sports dance. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Sports Dance. I'm your host, Greg, and we have a lot to get into today. Let's start off right away with congrats to the Washington Nationals. That's right, we're not going to talk ALCS yet. We're not going to talk football yet. We're going to talk to a team that just dominated the National League Championship Series against a Cardinals team who everybody thought had that October magic. I mean, you saw it. They put 10 runs up in the first inning against the Braves in the division round. They looked like they were ready to make a run. And then they ran into a buzzsaw called the Washington Nationals, who had taken down Goliath and the Dodgers and was ready to do some more damage. The best thing about all of this, if you're a Nationals fan, if you're just a baseball fan, just because the storyline is the Nationals do this year one after the Bryce Harper era ends. Year one. Bryce doesn't even make the playoffs. Yet the Nationals get through to the division round, which they had never done before, advancing in a round in the playoffs. And then not only that, they take down the number one seed, they make it to the championship series, and in four games, make it to their first World Series ever on the night their owner turned 92 or 93. It's, it's in the 90s. That's, it's, it's been a long time. He's been waiting a very, very long time. And, I mean, the Nationals did it in the national way. What you knew was going to be their reckoning force for them all series was their pitching. We knew Scherzer. We knew Strasburg. We knew Patrick Corbin. What we didn't know? Anibal Sanchez. That is right. Game one, we all knew the story, what happened. A one-hitter in game one of the NLCS by Anibal Sanchez. He had a no-hitter going up until the eighth inning. It was combined one-hitter. That's not what you expect from your number four guy. That's not what the Cardinals thought was going to be coming at them. It did, though. And, man, it was awesome to watch. Plain and simple, though, the Cardinals' bats just went silent. Apparently, they used all their runs up in Game 5 against the Braves. Because Goldschmidt, Ozuna, Yachty, none of them could get anything really going this entire series. Now, granted... You could say, hey, the baseballs are different. Balls aren't flying like they used to. Well, there might be some truth to that. I don't have the stats. I don't have the figures. But there are people saying that the balls for October baseball have been switched out from the balls used in the regular season, which were considered more juiced, helped the balls fly out more, which led to more home runs. If you've noticed, not so many home runs this postseason. Pitchers are dominating. In the National League series... That's all that happened. Scherzer dominated. Strasburg dominated. Anibal Sanchez dominated. Patrick Corbin mm, kind of dominated. I mean, you got to admit, he probably lost a little bit of focus. Nationals came out with a seven-run first inning. Put up a seven spot in the first inning. Pitchers are going to relax a little bit. They might give up a run or two. He did. It didn't matter, though. The seven runs in the first was enough to clinch that sweep for them. Even better, they did it at home at the National Stadium, gave those fans a great moment. Now they have to await for a very, very long time, at least a few more days. So they won Tuesday night. So they have to wait a little bit to figure out who are they going to be playing. The rain out pushes everything back. You know, Yankees, Astros could go a maximum of four days straight of four games. We'll talk about the ALCS in a few minutes. But the Nationals, like, let's just focus on them for just another minute or two. Because what they did was great. It wasn't just great. It was dominant. And the best thing is, you had everybody contributing to the game. You had Rendon, Zimmerman, Scherzer, Strasburg. Their bullpen stepped up. Doolittle, Hudson, who missed game one because he had a kid. That's how good Annabelle Sanchez pitched. They didn't even need their closer, who was not even there. Because he was there for the birth of his child. Like, so everything's just turning up nationals. You had Howie Kendrick, who turned the clock back to look like Los Angeles Angels before his knee tear on that home run, Howie Kendrick. If you don't know what I'm talking about, Howie Kendrick hit a walk-off. 
either just home run or grand slam one time for the Angels, jumped on home plate, his leg went out from under him, he tore his knee. He hasn't been quite the same. I mean, Howie Kendrick for a while was a dominant force in that Angels lineup. And then things started to kind of decline. So to put it in perspective, Kendrick played for the Angels up until 2014, and he was really good. Basically, every year he was there. Then he gets hurt. He moves around to the Dodgers. Then he went to the Phillies. And then he's been on the Washington Nationals. And he's kind of just been in decline since. I mean, granted, he did come up in 2006. He's been a vet for 14 years. So it's kind of expected. Kind of expect to see that decline. But he turned it back. He was the MVP and not even close. The man was phenomenal in the National League Championship Series. Just to get some numbers. He finished Series 5-15 with four doubles, four RBIs, and he was at his best in Game 3 when he became the fourth player to hit three doubles in an LCS game as part of a 3-4-3 RBI night that put them on the brink of the pennant. Then we know what happens. They win the pennant. So 5-15 doesn't sound like much. That's a 3-33 average. And when four of those five hits are doubles, it's pretty good for a 36-year-old guy who... Just you didn't know exactly what he was going to be. In the past few years alone, he's not played that much. He's played in only a max of like 50 games over the past few years. I think this year he was around 90. No, he played 121 games this year. That was my bad. It was in 2017 he played 91. So, like, it's not like he's been Mr. Longevity. He's, you know, past few seasons, he went 91 and then 40 games, partly injury. But still, Howie Kendrick, great NLCS. Hopefully, you know, this rest is the big issue. It's the big thing everybody's talking about. Will the rest affect the Nationals? I mean, only time will tell. Right now, if anything, it's going to calm nerves. Guys who have never been to the World Series before, guys who have been before, they can talk it out. They can kind of get their rest, heal their bodies up. You know, they can hit the cages. They can do bullpen sessions. It's not the same as in-game, I know. But still, at this point, they have played over... 170 games. I think they have their timing. I think they're in their groove. Nationals have won six games straight. So only time will tell if it affects them, but we will have to wait because the ALCS is still going on. So let's get into that. ALCS, Astros, Yankees. Wednesday got rained out, so we had game four Thursday night. And man, was it not that exciting. I mean, at the beginning it was. Don't get me wrong. Bases loaded galore. You had pitchers getting out of jams. But overall, not what I was hoping for. Not the game I wanted to see. Everybody made a huge deal of the rain out, the rain out, the rain out. It's going to provide top pitching. We're going to get Tanaka, Grinky, game one all over again. Of course, that meant people thought Yankees, hopefully maybe their offense starts you know, kicking into gear and figures it out. They did to an extent, but not really. I mean, Granke walked in a run. He didn't look great. You got to wonder, is he not meant to pitch in these high-pressure situations? We know he has issues with anxiety and things like that. Not saying that played a factor. But when you looked at him on the mound, he definitely seemed frazzled. He might say he wasn't. Don't know. But he kind of just had that appearance of, like, I'm not comfortable here. And I can't blame them. I mean, Yankee Stadium is a stadium that you walk into as an opposing pitcher and they let you hear it. But he had to have known that. I mean, he got out of jams. He did what he needed to do. He went four and a third innings. You know, he got at least decently into the game. But really, credit all due to the bullpen and to the Astros offense who did what they needed to do, took care of business, and got the job done. I mean, there, there's not much more to say on that end. Springer, Altuve, all these guys that you expect to come up and do their job, did their job. Springer had three RBIs with his homer. Altuve was one for four. Not great, but nobody was great last night on either side. The Astros were just a bit greater. They take that 3-1 series lead. They have one more game. Now the question becomes, who's pitching? Who's pitching for the Astros in game five 
the clinching game? Do you go with Verlander and really just try to go for that knockout kill? That means most likely Garrett Cole is your game one starter for the World Series. If you win, not bad. I'd take that. Or do you go with the bullpen and then you hope you get the win out and you have Verlander Cole as game one, two starters? My guess is they're going to go for the kill and throw Verlander out there. He does well at Yankee Stadium. I don't see why it'd be any different. Team's feeling good. Verlander, you got to assume, is feeling good. Put him out there. Finish the job. That's all you got to do. Finish the job. But honestly, back to the game. It was just sloppy. I mean, fielders making errors. Guys making plays that should be very typical of them. And it just going into the glove. Torres, Bregman, both sides. Didi dropping an easy double play from Judge from the outfield. I mean, just very, very sloppy play. It looked more like a spring training game for their fielders than it did October ALCS Championship Game Series baseball. It just didn't look good. And I think maybe the saddest thing that happened in that game, it was ugly and all that. But there is a somewhat sad note. CC Sabathia had to leave the game with an injury. And the sad thing about it is, it may have been the last time CC Sabathia was ever on a mound. Now, granted, I am a Red Sox fan. I do not like the Yankees. I don't like guys on the Yankees. Typically, I don't really like CC Sabathia, but for a guy that has had a career as stellar as his to go out potentially on an injury and having bases loaded that he caused and all these different things, not how you would hope his career would end. You picture him giving the ball up after like five decent innings, striking out a few guys, walking off to an applause. Like, there's a part of me that's like, if the Yankees weren't planning on starting him and just using him out of the bullpen in blowout games, why was he even on the ALCS roster? I know he was recovering after the ALDS. That's why he wasn't on that roster. But just not how I get it. You're going to use guys in different situations in October. He's not a number one starter, number two, number three. He's none of that. But you just hate to see it. You hate to see a guy that was just... One of the best for so long. Potentially have his career end because he is retiring on an injury. He tried to throw a practice pitch. Whatever was bothering him bothered him too much. He left the game. So I hope for CeCe's sake, I mean, granted, even if it's symbolic, if he comes in just for one pitch, Something if the Yankees are clearly going to lose just to get that one more applause from the fans. If not, I mean, it's a sad way to go out. Feel bad for that guy. But it is what it is, I guess. But yeah, overall, just a sloppy game. Took forever. It was sloppy. Really just completely the opposite of what I think everybody's expectations were for game four of the series. And we expected some drag out, knockout fights, either high offense from both sides or pitching upon pitching upon pitching. Instead, we got errors, pass balls, sloppy base running, a few home runs. But there was nothing in this game that stood out as like, oh, key moment. I mean, granted, errors make key moments. Runs getting scored make key moments, but it wasn't anything to look at and go. This is a game, if they put it on TV, I totally watch again. There's, I mean, there's been no game like that. Game two was the only one of this series that was like that. This is the complete opposite so far of what last year's ALCS was like. That's not me being biased because I'm a Red Sox fan. It's just a fact. That's really all it is. I can tell you what, though. If the Astros do close it out and it's Nationals-Astros in the World Series... I, like everybody else, should be thrilled of the pitching matchup possibilities. You will see two legit rotations going at it with guys that would be number ones on any team they're placed on. Each team has three of them. So that is something definitely to look forward to. Both teams have very good offenses. Both teams have very good pitching, but both teams have really sketchy bullpens, I guess is the best way to say it. 
Neither one has a lockdown bullpen. So it's really the starting pitchers and the offense that are going to have to do it for both sides. So there is that to look forward to if, by chance, it is Astros Nationals, which it's looking like more and more every day. And if that gives you anxiety for some reason, don't worry. Paul's Pylon's coming right up, and it's presented by Best Bud CBD. Go to bestbudcbd.com slash hashtag 12 on sports for all your CBD needs for you and your pet. Take the edge off, take it easy, and relax. Best Bud CBD. Go check it out right after Paul's Pylon, which is now. That is right. It's another week of Paul's Pylon. And with me, he may not have had power at his house this week, but the man is electric. It's none other than Paul. How you doing, Paul? Great. Good afternoon, Greg. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? You got power back? Got power back. Good. You got the juice. Only about 13, 14 hours, so it was all right. You got, th- you got that juice flowing through you. I know how it is. <laughs> I've been around you. I feel the electricity flowing off the body. So there's never boring weather here in New England. No, there is not. It's summer one day and then winter the next. Sometimes you have to plow the field. I, well, well, okay, well, I don't need to know what you did when the power was out, okay? (laughs) I was referring to the Patriots game. Oh, okay. (laughs) All right, sure. Anyway, Paul, you told me you have some useless tidbits for us this week. So I'm curious to know how useless they are after I just called you electric. They're pretty useless and um, very uh, fascinating. Okay. Well, let's get going then. All right. So uh, <laughs> You seem well, shocked that I was like, let's get into these useless tidbits. Let's get right into this because you cannot wait. All right. You can add this to your repertoire. Okay. Coldest NFL football game in history. I know it's a negative number. And it was at Lambeau or in like Minnesota or something like that. So it's December 31st, 1967. Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys. So clearly it was not in Dallas. I was going to say, if it was in Dallas, then that is something fascinating. Minus 13 degrees at game time. Just a, It's just a bit nippy, as they would say. 48 below with a wind chill. And here's the useless tidbits. Several of the band members that they hired to play for the game were treated for wind chill, and one spectator died from exposure at that game. Wow. What a, what With, a happy, happy, happy go lucky day. Let's go to the game, everybody. <laughs> a happy topic. Oh, man. Hey, Grandpa, let's go. Game's up. Grandpa? Grandpa? <laughs> Game's over. <laughs> oh my god, he's frozen. Are they you're gonna tell me the band members got their instruments stuck to their mouth, kind of like in a Christmas story? Oh, that would be good. Stuck to the pole. Yeah. So if we did the coldest game, we have this. There is controversy over the warmest game. Well, when you're if first, you're hot, then you're cold. You're yes, then you're no. It's like the Katy Perry song. You got to go with both. Well, um, on record for the NFL is 97 degrees. Pats at the Jaguars in 2018. I mean, it's it's pretty hot. I would have thought it would have been higher. Are you trying to tell me if you like to wear tin hats, maybe get out the tin hat and start going with the conspiracy theories? Yeah, that's um, we have been known to wear our foil hats when we're. Uh, um, don't involve me into your foil hat conspiracy things. You wear your own tin hat, sir. Again, another good conductor of electricity. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, so how about a stadium with the largest capacity? Oh, wait, by the way, did the Patriots win that game? The answer is no, they did not. Oh, I must have had a blank on my microphone. I don't know what happened. Yeah, weird, it's like you froze or something. That's it, something weird. It must be the uh, stars not aligning. Mm. So largest capacity stadium, including standing room. And this is NFL or just in general? NFL. I was going to say, if it's in general, I was going to go with Michigan because I think they have the biggest one. Um, I, I honestly don't know. Stadium is so wonky. 100,000. Where's AT&T? Is it, 
Not the San Francisco one, is it? It's the new one. 100,000 huh. people, and standing room is massive. Of course, they want you on the concourses because you spend your money. Wait, do you mean Dallas AT&T? Yes. Oh, okay. I was thinking AT&T ballpark, uh, like San Francisco Giants or whatever it is. One of the, some other baseball team. NFL. Yeah. Well, you know what? I had one of those freeze moments too. All right. Happens. <laughs> You're there's, too much, there's too much sports knowledge in my brain. I know too many stadium names. A lot of them intersect. You know a lot of things. So. I do. Um. <laughs> I'm a man. Right. I, I, I as. I'd never watched the show, but in Game of Thrones, one of the characters goes, I drink and I know things. That's essentially what I am. I don't even know what the Game of Thrones is about. Better. People are going to, people are turning off the station right now. I just, I'm sorry, the only uh, Game of Thrones, it might be beer pong and you sit on the throne. I don't know. Game of Thrones. You may have just invented something. Right. Okay. Let's get to the throne first. If you're listening to this, it's already been patented and trademarked. Do not try to steal our Game of Thrones beer pong game. How about you get your ping pong table out or your table, and instead of red cups, you use little miniature toilets, <laughs> miniature thrones. <laughs> we, we might be onto something here. Let's Imagine put that, that let's, let's out watch that. We cannot keep talking about this on the show. People are going to steal this idea. All right. New tidbit. Okay, yeah. Let, make them forget about what they just heard. There are two days in the year where no professional, the big four, teams play. It is July, like, 20-something. It's whenever the ESPYs are. So it is the day before and the day after the All-Star game. Yes. it's The ESPYs is on one of those days. That's all I know. But then I thought, well, of course they're not playing hockey. <laughs> they're not playing football. Oh, they play hockey into June... And I just don't, I never have gotten it. I don't understand why hockey has, you have to be really bad not to make the playoffs in hockey. <laughs> Everybody makes it. They just keep playing. But I, I've never gotten it. They play until June. I'm like, you're a cold weather sport. That's your whole thing. Why are you playing when it's 80 degrees outside? <laughs> Let's find a city whose three major league teams uh professional sports teams all have the same colors give me a second to think about this because i have to think about a lot of different cities a lot of different teams it's not the raptor it's not toronto it's not boston it's not new york there's too many teams in new york it's not los angeles because there's too many to technically say they're all the same um milwaukee no we'll give you the colors and you'll get it Okay. Black and gold. Pittsburgh. Yep. You know what? I don't know why that didn't pop into my head, but that, yep. As soon as you say it, you Steelers, Penguins, Pirates, it all pops in. Speaking of colors, <laughs> segue. <laughs> this is a great segue. Have, have you been doing this a long time, sir? You have become a professional very quickly. Speaking of colors, I'm blind. Colorblind. Do you see what I did there? Segways. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's right. And I'd have to take their word for it on this, but major league umpires have to wear black underwear in case see their the pants. You can see black. <laughs> well, you can. Than wearing <laughs> You're colorblind, cotton. Paul. You're, you can see the color black, though. So I'm trying to debunk this, and I look it up, and the first ump I see is wearing gray pants. Is it Joe West? No, it wasn't, but. That would have been. You wore black underwear. Yeah, if you saw Joe West full moon, you might have been blinded for life. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> All right, let's switch over to baseball. Wait, hold on. Say that tip really quick one more time. It may have gotten talked over of the whole umpire underwear thing. Which tidbit? The underwear, the umpire's colors. The, they're required to wear black underwear because in case they're pants split. Okay, yeah, I, don't, I may have talked over that. Or made a joke over that before it was heard fully. Oh, okay. All okay. right. Everybody's Googling it now. <laughs> I would be. I don't know if I would, because then who knows what's coming up on your phone. What if you All type right. in, like, sexy ump? Would, like, weird Halloween costumes pop up? I don't think so. I feel like there's a weird, creepy Halloween costume for everybody, no matter what you want to be. 
All right, Greg, what is the average lifespan of a major league baseball? I just gloss over that comment. Thank you. <laughs> you are focused on these useless tidbits. I am. I am laser focused. You're in the effing zone, Chief. <laughs> okay. Uh, what, what did you say? I apologize. Let's go backwards. No, no, we're done. It's over. All right, we're done. We can't talk about sexy Halloween costumes now. I was going to be a sexy baboon, but no, not anymore. We're not going to talk about it. You know how I feel about Halloween, and I will not be in a costume. Oh, you're going to say about baboons, and I was going to be like, no, I don't. Please do tell. <laughs> um, anyway, average life of a baseball. I'm going to go seven pitches. Ding, ding, ding. Was that right? Seven pitches. Nice. That is a beautiful thing. I have a beautiful mind. Like, I couldn't find... Surprise. I could not find the um, farm or wherever the heck they get the mud in New Jersey that they rub on the baseballs. Do you know that? I do know that. I knew that. I know there's a special mud that they do. Here's a good question for you, Paul. I talked about it a little bit at the beginning of the show, but right now there's a consp- there's another conspiracy theory going on. What that is the it? Baseballs used in the regular season were juiced baseballs, so players could hit them farther, and they switched them out for the postseason. And the balls aren't traveling as far. There's signs backing this up right now that the balls are not going as far a distance, even when they're hit at the same velocity, uh, launch angle, and all that. Do you think they switched out the balls? Yes or no? Simple equipment. No. Simple answer. You don't think they did? I don't. Well, you'd be wrong, sir. My tin hat is on now. They definitely switched them out. You know, I, I know we're talking about football and baseball right now, but I absolutely have to talk about a fact that – do it. Uh, is going to just take us to a new level of conspiracy theories. Don't do it. You know where I'm going. I do know where you're going. What is the only sport allegedly played on the moon? Golf. Bad. We didn't land on the moon. It Can't was faked on the moon. That was like maybe he finally turned a corner. Nope. <laughs> Yeah, that's a whole. Right. T- we can do a whole show. Yeah, we're on not that. going to right now. We are not getting into that right now. Tin hats off. Next tidbit, sir. All right. Next and final tidbit is back to football. What year did they require football players to wear a helmet? Beginning in 2019. That's why Antonio Brown wanted to retire. That's it. He didn't want to wear a helmet and cover his quaff. Yeah. It was 1939. Not a lot of science back then. I'm not sure. Okay, yeah, take this hunk of cow and run down the field and let them bash your brains in. Was it the leather helmets at the time that they had to start wearing? Yes. So they still weren't that protective. (laughs) Imagine that. It was more like, hey, look, I look like a pilot running down the field with a ball. (laughs) Hey, look, a ripped baseball glove. Let's put it on our head. (laughs) That's essentially what it was. That's about as much protection as they got with that. Well, good thing they're doing what they do now, and they have all kinds of science behind it, because, boy, what a tough game. Still doesn't seem to make that much of a difference at, at times. Um, No. And, and, and you know, you, you look at these guys that get pulled out of a game for targeting, and, you know, you know that they're hyped up big time. And yep. they're probably about 3% engaged in the game and just want to just get somebody and and it's tough, but you know, one of these days they'll learn, and yep. some of them are learning the hard way. Vontez perfect, perfect example. Yep. Imagine that. Well, you don't have to imagine it. It no. happened. It happened. All right. So that was the last. That was the last useless tidbit. That was my last useless tidbit. I've got a ton of them for uh, some upcoming segments. And yeah, exactly. You gotta you gotta, you gotta keep the people wanting more. Vault. Yeah, you gotta keep them wanting more. Ooh, segment vault. I like that. Segment ball. Like the, remember like that. If you don't write that down, I won't remember it tonight. I'm going to put it right I'll here. I'll, I'll even make note that is, you probably can't hear this on the show, but that is the sound of me writing it down. It's like the <laughs> Disney vault, except not as expensive. Looking forward to November 11th and 12th. Yeah. Well, let's not give free plugs to Disney. They make enough money. I didn't. You did. No, I was just I looking just said, forward to I just said days. the name of you know, I just said the name of the vault. All right. All right. By the way, you said they were useless. I enjoyed those tidbits. Well, I, I hope I can contribute a little bit of levity to the uh, weekly sports because God <laughs> knows 
There's some controversy out there every week that you talk about. I mean, some weeks there's not, which is always a good thing. But since we're done with the tidbits, I do have to ask you, your prediction so far for the World Series champion was going to be the, was the Astros. They're obviously in it still against the Yankees, ALCS. Do you still feel confident about the Astros? I think the Astros take it with the pitching, and I think they take the whole thing with the pitching. It's going to be a pitcher's duel when they get to the World Series. Because, as we know, the Nationals already clinched. They have basically three aces. If the Astros make it, they have three. So you think pitching, obviously, will be dominant. That's been the clear point of this postseason. And you think the Astros get the slight edge, mainly because of Verlander and Cole, I assume. Granke's good, but those two have just been dominant. Yep, and I I, I just... Uh... They Don't have to the win. <laughs> they they have to beat the Yankees, and you know why? Just because that's yeah, that's just because it, it it will all be well in the universe. By the way, last quick thing: you probably didn't see this video, but there's a video going around of a Yankees fan trying to get everybody else in Yankee Stadium hyped up for the first pitch of Game Three. Nobody was having it, and he's like, "Let's go! This is it! We need to win this!" No Yankee fan could care. Just as kind of shows where their heads are at. Well. It's uh, when you get into these games in the stands, I think you get a few of those fans that get through and the season ticket holders and everybody else at corporate tickets. And it, it, it kind of takes a little bit away from it because most of them are there for the social event. Unless you're in the outfield and the bleacher creatures section, I don't think it's just nearly the same anymore as it used to be, at least at stadiums like Yankee Stadium, where that whole front section is way too costly for any normal fan. Well, you look at those big blue Yankee blue leather seats, and all you see is blue leather seats because exactly. who the heck can afford to sit there? Unless it's Billy Crystal. Yeah, well, you know. That's... And he falls asleep. <laughs> oh, boy. Tough season. Yeah. I hate watching the Yankees in the postseason. I, well, everybody does, unless you're a Yankee fan. Yep. Well, Paul, thank you, for as always, for joining us. I think you actually have to get into a car soon because you're coming to see me this weekend to help me build a shed. I am coming. I'm I'm going to be the director. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm always I'm always the labor. I know. There you go. Lift things up and put them down. That's what I'm best at. Well, thanks for having me on, Greg. Love As the show. Always. Thank you. Paul's pylon. Another great week of Paul's pylon leads us into some NFL talk. And let's talk about Thursday Night Football. Let's just get that out of the way because, well, a few key things happened. And by key things, one key thing happened. And we all know what it is. Patrick Mahomes got hurt. He got hurt. He apparently dislocated his patella. Clearly, everybody's waited with bated breath to know if there was ligament damage. What's the situation? Will the Chiefs have him for the year? Will Will they not? I mean, if they don't have him... Chiefs championship basically is done. No offense, Matt Moore. You're not the guy who we all think is going to lead them to the Super Bowl. You're not Nick Foles. Patriots walk into the Super Bowl without any issues this year, if that's the case. I know the Chiefs struggled the past two weeks, but everything was going right for them against Denver last night. I mean, their defense looked like a normal defense. They had ton of sacks. Joe Flacco couldn't throw the ball. Granted, Joe Flacco couldn't throw the ball even if he wasn't getting sacked. He had bad at balls down. Their offense, Denver's offense looked abysmal after the first drive. If you had Royce Freeman, congrats, you got a touchdown for him. That's about as positive as you can get for the Denver team. Chiefs, your defense played great. Your offense looked really good. But you got Matt Moore as your quarterback right now, and we don't know how long it's going to be for. Is it going to be for the rest of the season? Is it going to be for a few weeks? No matter what it is, it greatly diminishes the Chiefs' chance of making the AFC Championship and the Super Bowl. So we'll see. Patrick Mahomes is one of the most exciting players. We all know this. One of the most exciting players in the NFL right now or ever, you could say. Left-handed passes, no-look passes, who knows what's next. Right now, all we know that's next is examinations on that knee, first opinions, second opinions, third, fourth, fifth opinions, because you want to make sure if they say he's good to go, he's actually good to go, and you want to make sure if they say he cannot play, he really can't play. Because he is what makes that Chiefs offense go. 
Tyreek Hill will help. The running backs will help. Travis Kelsey will help. Matt Moore will be decent enough. He will keep the boat afloat, but he won't get the boat to the promised land. No analogies, whatever. It's what we in the sports industry do. You make analogies. It's it's just the thing. So who knows what's going to happen. Like I said, the rest of the game, Denver was just awful. Like just, like there really wasn't a backup quarterback on the Broncos that they just felt like throwing in for a series or two. Just to see what would happen. I get Joe Flacco's elite. I get it. Pause for everybody to laugh. It was a joke, people. Joe Flacco, clearly not elite. We all remember the conversation after he won the Super Bowl of if he is elite. He's not, in case you couldn't remember or figure it out. He's not good. But whoever the backup quarterback in Denver is, which I didn't take the time to look up, because does it really matter? I know they drafted Locke this year, but he got hurt, so who knows if he's available. All that stuff. Flacco's terrible. You would have been better off with Lindsey throwing the ball for you. At least do the Wildcat. But no, Denver just Denver had two wins the last few weeks. Though thought things maybe were turning around. Not so much. Not so much. Hey, Denver, if you feel like it, trade Chris Harris to the Philadelphia Eagles. They could really use him. That's just one, me speaking as an Eagles fan, and two, that's just people in general. Eagles need a defensive back. Everybody knows this. You could probably get a decent, you know, picks for him. But yeah, just another Thursday night game. Past while back, we had a good run of Thursday night football games. Past two weeks, not so much. Not gonna lie, I've not been good. So let's move on to some other stuff. Jalen Ramsey got traded. Nobody knew exactly when it was going to happen. We all assumed it was going to happen. And man, did that back heel quickly because he looked good and spry getting off that plane in L.A. Now, it's weird because, you know, usually flying private, your back can get real jacked up, I've heard. I've never flown private myself. So I'm pretty sure there's no truth to that. But man, did he look, he, I mean, he looked fine. He looked like he walked like a normal person. He might even play this weekend. Granted, the Rams don't have a first-round pick now, I think, until the year 2053 with all these moves they've made over the past few years. But do they care if it results in a Super Bowl? Probably not. I mean, they won't be able to keep him on their roster after next year because they don't have any money to give him. They have so many, so many big contracts, including Jared Goff, which they shouldn't have done. No offense, I don't think Goff is that good of a quarterback. I said it when he got the deal. In general... He is not worth that money. He has proven it this year. He needs to be coached up too much. He needs to be in such a simplified offense. And he gets too nervous in the pocket. It's just, you saw what he did in the Super Bowl. It's just not good. But hey, they helped the secondary out. Their defense, him and Donald, are going to do their parts. It's a matter of if everybody else can do theirs. Just like quickly started there. Pay no attention to it, even though I pointed it out. But yeah, they got a great cornerstone of young defensive players, offensive guys. Like the Rams are a good team. Ramsey makes them better, even though they got rid of Peters and Talib is on the IR. So we'll see if it works out for them. Hopefully it does. I mean, Jalen Ramsey has a personality for LA. I mean, the guy was built for that town. Let's see if he can shine under the bright lights of like 10 people in the Coliseum cheering him on. Besides that, though, looking around the NFL. Other big things going on, not tons, at least throughout the week. Uh, C.J. Mosley, going to be playing. I'm going to talk about it later in my must-watch, upset-watch, locking-in picks. There might be an inkling of Monday Night Football in there. We'll see how that plays out. He says he's going to play. We still will have to see what happens Monday. You can never guarantee when a guy says it because, you know, he could start warming up and things could go poorly. Besides that, though, not too much. Saquon Barkley's going to come back. Shock. I mean, he could have probably come back last week. Besides that, though, not too much is happening. I'll tell you what did happen, though, last week. The Jets beat the Cowboys. You know what that means? Skip Bayless was mad. He was big mad. Big time mad. And that's going to lead us into, really, Skip? I know you missed it. I missed it, too. But here it is. Really, Skip? 
skip, skip, Bayless, so skip, Bayless. Oh, 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 skip, 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 but skip, 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 really skip, skip, let's stop it, stop it, skip, 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 no, you didn't skip, 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 that's right, it's really skip. When I talk about Skip Bayless and how he drives me up a wall, haven't done one, a legitimate one, in quite a bit. Last week did a quick one. This won't be long either, but I just got to get it off my chest. Now I just got to get it off your chest sometimes. That's what I need. Get it off the chest. I, sorry if that was really bad reverb on you. Hit my chest. Say it with your chest. I'm about to. Skip Bayless. I get he's a homer. I get he loves his cowboys. I get he loves his Sooners. I get, I get that. He's a national talking head, talking about sports, yet everything somehow leads back to LeBron James or the Cowboys or something along that line. Well, to my delight this past weekend, as you all know, the Cowboys were upset by the Jets. Now, Jets fans, don't take offense. It was an upset. You were 0-4. Cowboys should have beaten you. Cowboys became, one of, the, I think, the first team ever to have more 10-plus third, third-down conversions win in possession of time, yardage, all that, and still lose. So congrats, Cowboys. That's a win for you. You made the record books. And Skip just had a hard time letting it go. Were there bad calls? Yes, there's bad calls in every single game, Skip, just so you know. Was there guys missing? Yeah, injuries, part of the game. You figure out how to win. Those don't seem to be excuses when other teams use them, and they lose. Eagles lose. Oh, don't blame the injuries, guys. Packers lose, don't blame the injuries. Patriots haven't lost, can't really throw them into this. But don't blame the injuries if they ever do. But the Cowboys lose, oh, blame the injuries. We didn't have our right tackle. We didn't have this guy. We didn't have that guy. Who cares? It's football. You know the game. You still have Zeke. You still have, you know, a pretty good wide receiver core. Amari was there to start the game. He didn't finish the game. Hopefully he's all right. If he misses a week, I'm not going to be too sad as an Eagles fan. But just skip. You got to stop tweeting like it's still happening and you can change anything. Just in general, think, listen to some of these. Dak Prescott, who can't throw, still leads the NFL in QBR after six games and had the seventh highest QBR in week six with his 74th Jets. Five of his passes were dropped. Well, skip first off. A lot of quarterbacks have a lot of drop passes. Nobody cares. Jay Witten got burned twice by the refs on the pick play that wasn't and the two-point pass interference. Well, if Jason Garrett thought there was a pass interference, should have thrown the flag. He did not. Just saying. He didn't throw it. Therefore, not pass interference. There was plenty of pass interference calls in that game. Jason Witten, maybe you could argue that. Maybe it was. Maybe it wasn't. Guess what? They didn't think it was. Get over it. Then you have just in general, day after day after day after day of just complaining and moaning. And bitching all about it. Like, skip. Let it go. Dak Prescott's a warrior. This wasn't even Sunday. This was on Monday. Remember, the Cowboys played the whole game with an undrafted rookie at right tackle. Again, nobody cares, Skip. Here's the thing. This is why it drives me nuts. Skip makes thousands of excuses when his team loses. When his team wins, they're the best thing since white bread. And white bread, I mean sliced bread. I think that's the same. So it's amazing. If they had won that game, he would have taken all these things saying, look at my Cowboys, how great they are. They won with a rookie starting at right tackle. That's just how great Dak and Zeke are. That's how great Jerry Jones is. Oh, we won despite Jason Witten not getting that two-point play. Like, he would have just turned all those into positive ways. And it's just annoying. I'm an Eagles fan. I've said it before. Do injuries hurt the Eagles? Sure. Do drop passes hurt the Eagles? Definitely look at week two or three against Atlanta when Nelson Aguilar dropped a touchdown pass. But guess what? It's the game. You can't do anything about it. The only thing the Eagles can do to help them is help their secondary. They didn't get Jalen Ramsey. They didn't get any other cornerback help. They need somebody, anybody, because they are terrible in the secondary. And even without Amari Cooper, I'm worried about them against the Cowboys. But you just can't use it. I'll say this, Skip. Winners find ways to win no matter what. Losers find way 
to blame everything but themselves. That's what you're doing. That's what the Cowboys are doing. So really, Skip, be better. Man up. Accept the loss. That's been really, Skip. Hit the music. All right, now a quick word from Seat Giant. That's right, Seat Giant. Where should you go to get all your sports, concert, and any other type of ticket need? Seat Giant. That's right. You heard me. Seat Giant. That's where you're going to go to get all your sporting events and concert tickets because guess what? When you go there, you know you're getting the best deals. And when you use 12-ounce sports promo code, you get an even better deal. Again, use 12-ounce sports for the promo code and, you know, be on your way to having a fun family day. That is right, it's time for my must-watch, upset watch, and lock it in, brought to you by Seat Giant. Again, go to Seat Giant, check it out. You heard the ad, but it doesn't matter. Just go check it out. Anyway, upset watches, must-watches, lock it-ins for this week. Not yet. You know how it is. I always have to go back to the week before, give a quick recap, see how it did, and then we'll get into this. Because this is going to go into the end of the show, most likely. You know, I'll touch on college football. I'm not going to touch on hockey. I'm sorry. And just, not not right now. Not yet. Not when baseball's still going on. After baseball, well, hockey, it's going to be hard. I'm not going to lie. Because then basketball starts. I might just have to do like a one-minute hockey talk. I don't know. I'll figure it out. Anyway, so here's a quick rundown of what I had last week. And how that played out. It was not good. I can tell you that. Last week I said must-watch games were Philly-Minnesota. Philly got smoked 38-20. They were so bad, Fox switched the game off where it was being televised outside of Minnesota and Philly. San Francisco versus LA. San Francisco, won again, stays undefeated, 20-7. Not that exciting of a game. Not that must-watch of a game. Apparently the call was like Seattle-Cleveland. That was a good one. A lot of controversy. Uh, Jets, Dallas, which brings me to my locket in pick, was Dallas covering the spread at 7, even as the away team. They didn't do that. They, in fact, didn't do any of that. They lost. As I talked about in really skip, it was funny. It was hilarious. Who cares what Dak's stat line looked like? They still took a loss, like I said. And then finally, my upset pick was Cincinnati over Baltimore. It actually wasn't that bad of a game. It was kind of close, but Baltimore still won. So, let's get into this week's picks. Alright? So, we will start with my lock it in. Because it's the earliest game of the three games that I'm talking about. The 1 o'clock game. Lions are not the favorite at home against the Vikings. The Vikings are actually favored by two points. So, less than a field goal. Not too bad. But still, favored as the away team. After what they did to the Eagles. It makes sense. But the Lions are good. Matt Patricia has that team looking really good. And I get their 2-2-1 two, two and one weird record at sea. If I, that first game got played all over again, I'm pretty sure the Lions would win easily. They almost pulled it out against the Packers, except for, you know, those terrible, terrible hands-to-the-face calls. But so I think the Lions win outright in this game. So plain and simple, don't put money down on the Vikings covering for one. Go with the Vikings. Go with the ups. Uh, not the Vikings. Go with the Lions. Winning over the Vikings. So put that in. Because I think after such a big win against the Eagles, the Vikings are going to have a dip. And the Lions are a pretty good team. And they're playing pretty pretty well on both sides of the ball. So that's who I have as my lock it in pick. Going with the Lions. So for my must watch, I'll just go by times of games. This is the Sunday night game. And I know I did it last week. I picked the Eagles as a must-watch last week, but I'm doing it again. Call me addicted. You know, I haven't done it that much early on in the season. But this will be a must-watch game. 
Why? One, whoever wins has control of the NFC East by a game. Not much, but hey, it's something right now. Dallas started off 3-0 this year. They're on a three-game skid. So if they can't turn around, Jason Garrett's coaching job is in jeopardy, I think. Doug Peterson came out as the Eagles coach and said, hey, I guarantee a victory against Dallas. He tried to backtrack, but he did say that. So you have those two things out there. Both coaches, very interesting to see how this game goes. Doug Peterson putting out the big, bold prediction. Jason Garrett could be on the hot seat pretty quickly if they lose this game. That's all I got to say. Plus, you have the whole Wentz-Dak matchup where who does better? Who's going to be the better overall guy? This These games always make that whole thing go way more intense. I'm always going to go Wentz, mainly because I'm an Eagles fan. But overall, I think he actually is just an overall better quarterback. And it was injury prone. But I think talent-wise and skill-wise, he's better despite the stats and the record and all that. Call me biased. I get it. But that's my must-watch must of the week. And then finally, my upset watch. You're like, Greg, there's only one game left. It's Monday Night Football. And are you really saying the Jets are going to upset the Patriots? Well, listener, I am. That is exactly what I am saying. I am going with the Jets over the Patriots. I know. I'm as shocked as you are, but that's why it's an upset pick. Am I right? It is an upset pick because, well, let's be honest. Who's upsetting? Whoever beats the Patriots, it's an upset. I'm going to go with the Jets. They're coming off a big win. Sammy Mono Darnold comes in strong, has a good game, gets that offense looking pretty decent. The key for this game, and I honestly think it really depends on if the Jets actually have a legitimate shot, is if C.J. Mosley is able to get on the field. Adam Gase said he is minute-to-minute right now. Not sure if he's going to play. Doesn't make me feel great, but hey, it's an upset pick for a reason. You got to go with the team that you think has the chance to actually upset. Patriots haven't looked that great. Say what you want. They're undefeated. Can't deny that. They're a phenomenal team. Their defense is flat-out scary good. Makes you think of the Bears' defense. Don't. Don't. You're all going to get mad. The Super Bowl-winning Bears' defense back in the 80s. That was just dominant. I get they haven't faced huge offensive, talented teams yet. The Steelers basically fell on their face game one. And since then, you don't think Buffalo... You don't think Washington, you don't think the Giants, who were without basically every starter on their team. Offensive juggernauts, I get it. They're not. So the defense looks phenomenal right now. They have played phenomenal right now. This will be one of the first actual good offenses with healthy players they face. So we'll see what happens. But I'm going with the upset. Patriots offense hasn't looked great. The Jets don't have a bad defense. If their offense can do what they did against Dallas, they have a chance. Plain and simple, they have a chance. So that's why they're my upset pick, my upset watch. Yeah, I know they're not favored. I think it's like a 10-point underdog at home. <laughs> that's what's going to happen, though. When you're 1-4 and four and you're facing Tommy, Brady, Iron Man, Superman, whatever you want to call him, or Tommy Boy. As Patriots fans call them, I think. I don't know. I live in Massachusetts. doesn't mean I, I, I tried not to listen. I'm not going to lie. Try to block it out. It's really hard. Very, very hard. But I do. And I, I don't really succeed. I hear it all. It's, it's, it's all right. But so they're my upset watch. That's what it is. That's my, again, my must watch. Eagles, Cowboys. Upset watch. Jets over Patriots. And then my lock it in. Put it in. The Lions are going to beat the Vikings and all that fun stuff. All right. That's it. Let's take a look at the time. You know, I have I have like five minutes. Let's get into some college football. So we saw last week with college football, Georgia went down against a South Carolina team with a backup quarterback. Just not a great look, but it also guarantees essentially that only one SEC team really should make it to the college football playoffs because LSU-Alabama have to play in the regular season. 
Alabama, you know, other teams. I don't I don't even know the schedules. Georgia has to face good teams still. Auburn has to face good teams still. Florida still has to get through a few more games. So the SEC is going to get beat up. Most likely, whoever wins the SEC championship will have to come out of there, and that is it. Because, I mean, honestly, Big 12, Oklahoma right now looks like they'd be coming out. Big 10, whoever wins the Big 10 between Ohio State and Wisconsin, maybe Penn State, comes out. Then you got one more spot. And honestly, if Oregon runs the table in the Pac-12, didn't think I'd say this, they might be able to make a you know argument. And oh yeah, let's not forget about Clemson because even though they're not number one anymore, they're still, I guess, a title contender. You got to give them credit if they win the ACC, if they go undefeated, they're last year's national champs. You still can't count them out. We don't know. Maybe they're better than what they look right now. Maybe they're playing lackadaisical because they know they're the best. They haven't faced any tough competition. So they even know lost sight a little bit. Who knows? I do know that this week in college football, you have only a few big matchups. The biggest probably being the will Harbaugh keep his job through the end of the year game, where it's Michigan, who is ranked 16th at 5-1 and one against Penn State. Now, the reason the whole Harbaugh thing comes up is because they still have to face Notre Dame, who's a top 10 team. They still have to go against Ohio State, who's a top 10 team. Guess what Harbaugh's record against top 10 teams is? I'll give you a hint. It's not good. Not good at all. He's, I think, 1-7 against the top 10 since he's been head coach at Michigan. Not going to do well, Bob. Not going to do well. So, who knows? He loses this game. He loses to Notre Dame. He loses to Ohio State. Harbaugh's probably out. I think we can all agree on that. So, that's probably the biggest game of the weekend. Then you also have Arizona, Arizona, Arizona State with Herm. Oh, good old Herm Edwards taking on Utah. That's two 5-1 and one teams. You know, 17-13. That's a pretty good matchup to watch. The other one, like I said, Oregon. Could make a run for the college playoffs. Their only losses to Auburn, and it was a last-second loss. They're five and one at number twelve, going against number twenty-five Washington. So you have some big key games. The only thing I do know for sure is Jalen Hurts and Tua are probably battling it out for the Heisman. I mean, you have the Dolphins tanking for Tua. Should they be jousting for Jalen? No, they're. It's going to be Tua. Let's be honest. But. It's, it's a fun thing to think about because they were both Alabama. Well, one's an Alabama quarterback. One was an Alabama quarterback. And he's doing wonders in Lincoln Riley's offense. So that's going to be something to keep an eye on the rest of the season. Obviously, keep an eye on LSU, all these top schools. Don't really see many major upset potentials on the board. Mississippi State's not taking down LSU. Let's not worry about that. South Carolina over number nine, Florida. Back-to-back top 10 wins for South Carolina. No. Probably not. Let's not get crazy, people. Gamecocks can only do so much. And that, on that note, I think I'm going to wrap up the show. Yeah, it feels like a good spot to end it. Gamecocks can only do so much. Good spot to end it. So have a good weekend. Enjoy yourselves. Let's see if, you know, the Astros can take down the Yankees. Let's see if anybody can take down the Patriots on Monday Night Football like I predicted. We'll see. All I know is enjoy your weekend, lovely fall weekend, hopefully you have good weather. Go and enjoy yourselves, go find some pumpkins, go pick some apples, do what you're going to do. But most of all, just have a good time, enjoy yourselves, enjoy each other's company, have a few drinks, have a few laughs. Again, I'm Greg, make sure you follow us on all social medias, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, 12 on sports, check it out. But like I was about to say, I'm Greg. This has been my stance on sports. Have a good one. The Sports Sports Stance.